one of the Pharisees asked him to sit to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he listened, and he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, uh, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Well, good morning, Covenant. It's good to be with you. That was, that was a good response. I love that. And so, uh, yeah, as we just read, if you're, if you're familiar at all with the gospel accounts, you'll see just how time and time again you see Jesus around a table, around a table eating and drinking with tax collectors and, and sinners, and even here in our case with a Pharisee who extended an invitation to Jesus to come dine with him. And often in these accounts, there's specific things that Jesus is teaching uh, the people at the table, and he's also teaching us. And so this morning in this account, we're looking at really lessons from the table and Jesus here teaching us how to love. How to love, what, what does that look like? And so that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. You see, around our table at home, we have, so we have young kids, and so this is not, this does not happen every time. Uh, sometimes it's just pure chaos, but around our table, we try to make it a pattern where there's lots of learning and interaction that, that happens when we're eating together around our table. The conversations that we have include, you know, asking each other about our days. And the person that gets asked the question, how was your day, gets the authority to then ask the other person, how was their day? Or, you know, my, my youngest, she's, she's really little, she's three. We made the, I don't know, the blessing or the mistake of teaching her about April Fool's. And so, 
And so we're 22 days past April 1st, and this morning before I left, she got in two April Fool's jokes. And so, of course, they're nonsensical and super cute, and I probably think that they're way more funny than you all do, but that's okay. Uh, but yeah, w- there's, there's things that happen, patterns. We'll sing the doxology and we'll, we'll, we'll pray before our meal again. Sometimes this happens, other times it is just chaos, right? But the table is this place where we practice learning about each other. It's this place where you can be known, where you can... Uh, be asked a question and where you can respond about how you're doing. There's these habits that, that we're trying to instill in, in my kids too about like how to, how to ask questions, how to listen after they ask a question, right? The necessity of when you're done with your food, where's your, where does your plate go, right? It goes in the sink. And so just all of these little habits that that we're teaching our kids around the table. And as we see in our text, there's also learning that's happening here with Simon the Pharisee and and the woman. Learning that is happening around this table. And what Jesus is teaching us is, he's what Jesus is talking about, he's talking about hospitality through this lens of sharing a meal. Jesus is talking about how to be hospitable. And yet, we know that biblical hospitality is more than being around the table with, with people. It is. Biblical hospitality, it's, it's more than sharing a meal together. It includes that, but it goes beyond that. At the heart of biblical hospitality is this. It's welcoming one another in the way that Christ has welcomed you, Right? It's welcoming one another in the way that Christ has welcomed you. To say this another way, that hospitality throughout the scriptures is about loving your neighbor as yourself. When you strip it down to its core, that's what it's about, loving your neighbor as yourself. And so when we talk about hospitality this morning and extending the welcome of Jesus, what we're really talking about is, is how, to love your, how to love your neighbor, how to love your neighbor as yourself, how to love people, how to love the little people, how to love the people that are easy to love or the ones that are difficult to love, how to love your friends, and dare I even say what Jesus said, to love your enemies too. How do we love our neighbor as ourself? And so from time to time, you might find yourself asking this really important and yet difficult question about, well, how do I, how do I grow in loving people? How do I get better at loving people? How do I get better at loving my neighbor as myself? Because honestly, if we're, if we're honest, loving others can be extremely difficult. It can take a lot of, of energy, a lot of learning, a lot of trial and error and making mistakes and, and learning from it. And then, I mean, Jesus says, love your enemies? Like, seriously? And then loving across lines of difference, whether they be cultural or ethnic or political. I mean, the scriptures are, are, are 
the, the scriptures talk so much about, about what that looks like to love across lines of difference. And yet we know that, that oftentimes the people that are most difficult to love are the people that you see most often, that you see most frequently, your family, your friends, your, your colleagues, your, your coworkers. You see, I mean, if you've ever walked away from a disagreement or an argument and you've been like, ha, I won. <laughs> Did you actually win? No, because it's, it's, so, it's so easy for us in those moments to win the argument but lose the person, right? And when you do that, you, you lost, you lose. And so I want us to look at what happens around this table. I want us to look at this text about what's going on at this meal around this table. Because if, you, if you're sitting here thinking, well, how do I become more hospitable? How do I love or grow in my ability to be hospitable and to love my neighbor as myself? And so how do, we, how do we do that? How do we grow? And so, and so this is what we're going to talk about this morning. And so let me summarize the text, as, and then we'll walk through it. So Simon is this Pharisee, which means that he's super religious, right? He knows the scriptures. He teaches the scriptures. He's this religious leader. And so he invites Jesus over into his house to eat together, and Jesus accepts the invitation. And at some point throughout the night, a woman who was well known by the community enters the house and the text says in verse 37, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he, Jesus, was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the, hair, with, with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Can you imagine what's going on that Simon is hosting Jesus and then this woman comes in and starts just showing this act of devotion and adoration to Jesus? Like what, what do you think the other people in the room, if they were there, what do you think they would have thought about that at that moment? Like, what is, what is going on? In verse 39, how does Simon respond to everything that's happening between the woman and Jesus? Simon says this, Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known what sort of woman this is and who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Do you hear Simon saying this? If Jesus were actually this prophet, he would have known that this woman is a sinner. And he would have been like, Jesus, like, why, why are you letting this woman who's a sinner come in here and, and, and show her devotion and adoration to you? And so Jesus responds to what Simon says in verse 40, saying, Jesus answered to him, saying, Simon, I have something to say to you, right? This is where Jesus is going to teach. This is the lesson that Jesus is going to teach us from the table. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other one 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of them both. 
Now, which of them will love him more? Jesus asked Simon. Simon answers, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus says to Simon, you have judged rightly. And so Jesus is beginning to explain this teaching and this lesson that he wants to communicate to Simon through this parable. And then here, Jesus kind of makes the point and and lands the plane. And then Jesus, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. And then here it is. Here it is, verse 47. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. but he who is forgiven little loves little. There it is. There it is, the point in which Jesus is making his thesis, his his main point. I mean, look at Jesus here. This woman comes in, she's she's showing her devotion, her adoration, her worship to Jesus. Simon is like, why is she doing this? She's gotta stop. It's making me feel really uncomfortable. And then Jesus responds to Simon, he says, Simon, I have something to tell you. I need you to listen. He says, essentially, your, Simon, your ability to love people, your neighbor, your spouse, your kids, it is directly tied to your need for me. Our ability to have the love for one another is directly tied to our need for Jesus. I'll say this another way. If, if you and I have no need for Jesus, or if you and I only sort of, kind of believe that, we're, that we sometimes need Jesus here and sometimes need Jesus there, but we don't really need Jesus over here, that if that is you, which I think is all of us some of the time and some of us all of the time, then I, I think that you're, you're not going to love very well. Loving others is going to be extremely difficult. Because verse 47, he who is forgiven little loves what? Little. Little. And so if you and I only think that sometimes we need a little bit of forgiveness, then you and I are going to have the most difficult time loving others. Because, I mean, think about this with me. You and I, we are so much, so often like Simon. And I think I'm more like Simon than I care to admit. But if you believe and function in your home or your work, that overall, right, you're a pretty, pretty good person. You don't kill, you don't lie, you don't drink, smoke, cuss. You aren't perfect, but yeah, I guess overall, like, I'm not doing too shabby. You might think to yourself, man, like, I... I'm so glad that I'm not like so-and-so, right? How many times have we thought that before? I'm, I'm so glad that I'm not like so-and-so. I'm so glad that I'm not like my, my, my cousin, right? Her, her kids are a mess. Her marriage is a disaster. I mean, my cousin really needs Jesus. You might not say that audibly, but 
what about thinking those thoughts in your heart? And if you say them audibly, I applaud your honesty. (laughs) But it's just the attitude of our heart, right? I mean, just the other day I was at I was at, uh, on Saturdays, we, we have we're at the, the soccer field for a little bit, and I'm just sitting there watching, and I'm hearing, you know, the, the parents and their kids walk behind me on the sidewalk, and I hear this father that talks really sternly and what I think a little, is a little too harsh with their five-year-old son, and I'm th- sitting there, and I hear that, and I, I'm like, oh, like, that, that hurts to hear that. Like, why would... Why would he say something like this in that way to his five-year-old son? And I'm sitting there in the chair, and I'm like, is that what I sound like sometimes? Like, is that what I sound like sometimes? Because I think it is. And so if this is you, at least some of the time, I mean, we, we, we sound like Simon the Pharisee, don't we? We sound like Simon the Pharisee who said, you know, now in verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. I mean, Simon is just, you can hear the self-righteousness that is just coming out of his mouth saying, this woman is a sinner. I, I, I am not. And so when you and I live and function, that we're overall pretty good people that sometimes need the forgiveness of Jesus, we're just like Simon the Pharisee, just like him. When we have little patience for others, when we give ourselves, to, when we give ourselves permission to have bad days, but we don't grant that permission to others in our household or others that are close to us, when we constantly view ourselves as more put together or just simply better than other people, you might not say it like this, but again, the attitude of your heart says that I am better than you. I am more put together than you. And when that happens, we sound just like Simon the Pharisee. You know, when I was 26, I started um, grad school at Covenant Seminary for my MDiv. And I remember that first semester, man, they they told us in orientation that, that grad school would feel like a pressure cooker and it did. Like, there was just so much growth that happened in grad school uh, at seminary just through my repentance, through just this things, just the, ad- the attitude of my heart getting surfaced at this seminary because I had this posture of, I have more ministry experience than so-and-so, <laughs> Right? Like it was just this, it was this breeding ground for 20-somethings that are just super insecure about their identity and their position in Christ. It was just this constant comparison, this game of comparison with one another. And I mean, praise God for that pressure cooker, amen? Of, of Jesus just be in his mercy and grace walking me through those three years teaching me how to repent and find my identity in the gospel and freeing me from this this tendency just to compare. 
It was just this pressure cooker that just, that just happened. And so what else we see going on in this text is that, you know, Jesus, he's comparing this woman with the religious leader, with Simon the Pharisee. He's, he's comparing the two here for us to see. It's this lesson that he's teaching all of us here because this religious leader had the Old Testament memorized, who taught the scriptures, who religiously attended the temple versus the woman in verse 37 who learns that Jesus was in town reclining at Simon's table and she treats Jesus with such devotion, with such adoration, with such love and worship. I mean, do you know how costly this was for her? Literally, right, costly. The alabaster flask of ointment that she used on Jesus. Costly, literally, but also costly in another sense, too, of, of her walking into this Pharisee's house doing what she did, the way that she did it with this ointment, I mean, it was risky. It was this huge risk. And so Jesus is comparing both, both, both Simon the Pharisee and the devotion of this woman. You know, I mean, she, what, what she does here is that she takes all of herself to Jesus the brokenness, the sin, the shame, the things that she wished she had not done, but she, but she did. I mean, that, that's like what seminary was like for me, honestly, that pressure cooker of just learning to depend and to trust on Jesus in ways that I was not trusting or depending on Jesus. Because, I mean, look what is happening around this dinner table. Friends, it is so possible for us to live like Simon the Pharisee, to go to church, to memorize scriptures, to say and do the right things, to shake the right hands. And it's possible for us to do all of those things, but not need Jesus. It's possible for us to do all of those things and yet for our lives to be void of fruit, to our lives be void of love and just to be, fill, just to be graceless to constantly extend compassion more for yourself than you do for others. Friends, it is so, so possible. And so how, how on earth do we grow in our ability to love? How do we grow in our ability to love and to be hospitable? 47, again, the main point says this. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Friends, our ability to love others well is directly tied to our need for Jesus. It's directly tied to our need for Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying here. If you and I don't see our need, our great need for a savior, how can we possibly welcome others in the way that Christ has welcomed us? It's like this pre-work that you and I have to do in preaching the gospel to our hearts before we're able to welcome others in a way that Jesus welcomed us. The heart of Jesus is for sinners, for people who say, I'm not doing okay. My, my tone with you was too harsh. I'm, I'm checking out on my phone because it's too difficult for me to be present with my children. 
You know, I'm way more comfortable gossiping about this person behind their back than actually talking to them in their face, right? Um, Cutting corners at work to earn an extra buck. The heart of Jesus is for sinners. It's for for you and I who, who are broken and messed up. And so, what do you and I do with our sin? What do you and I do with our brokenness? That's the question. Because if our ability to love others is tied to our need for Jesus, what do we do with, with those moments of brokenness, those moments of, of, of sin? Because it's in our nature to, to run and hide when we sin, to not want to deal with it, to minimize it. Right, Lord, I've, I've, this is you know, just an example of, of, of what we do on Sundays is learning how to confess. There's nothing magic about the words that we say all up there, but they're, they're a pattern for us that teach us how we can interact with God when we confess our sins. Lord, I've sinned against you. Forgive me, help me, heal me so that I might love others the way you love me. And then that next part of just going to the person that you offended and saying, right, what I did was wrong. That was not right. You didn't do anything to deserve the way that I treated or spoke to you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. What can I do to make things right? And so we grow in our ability to love. It's, it's directly tied to our need for Jesus. Once you see your brokenness, once you admit your need for a Savior, then and only then are you in a place to love others well. I mean, think about it. Was, was Simon in a place to love others well? No. Jesus said that. Simon did not at this point, right, see his need for Jesus. So he's not in a place to love others well. He who is forgiven little loves little. But the woman, the woman, the woman saw her brokenness. She brought everything that she was to Jesus. The woman who was forgiven much, loved much. She was in this place to love and to welcome far more than Simon the Pharisee. It's this contrast that Jesus is is, is showing us in this text. And so I want us to think about the power of our hospitality when it oozes with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about the difference that that type of hospitality, that type of welcoming can make when it oozes with the grace of the gospel. I mean, think about what it's like what this is like for, for your home, for your home and for your home and for your table to be this place where sinners gather. To your, for your home to be this place that is it has this invitation that, you know, that says, come as you are, but it's always, always, always followed by, but don't stay there. Come as you are, but don't stay there. What, what would our tables and our homes look like if the grace of the gospel sank down deeply into our hearts so it would be this place where we have this invitation for others to come as you are, but not to stay there? 
The wel- isn't that the welcome of Christ? Come as you are. Follow me. I will heal you. I will transform you so that you don't stay where you are. And so as we think about this, friends, who are the people right now in your life that God is calling you to love? Who are the people that the Lord is putting on your heart to extend an invitation for hospitality? Who are the people that that God is calling you to love? And what this could look like is extending an invitation for a meal, for coffee, for getting, to, getting together, for saying, you know, it's, I've, been, I've been thinking about you and I've been wanting to get together. Just say, saying something as simple as this, I've been wanting to get together. You know, is there a time that we could grab coffee or lunch at your convenience? You know, and then showing up around that table, whether it's at a Starbucks or around your home, and being present with that person across the table of, of cultivating these habits, right? Of, of learning how to ask questions and to listen. But also praying and asking the Lord to, to open the door so that you might have the chance to share about how you need Jesus. Because it's like if, if we know about anything, about when we're, when we're wanting to go and be vulnerable with other people, it's often us that needs to take that first step to model this is what, this is what going deep looks like. This is, this is what Jesus is doing in my life. This is the brokenness that exists in my life. I'm willing and wanting to talk about it. And taking that first step to seeing how they would respond, if they would, if they would meet you in that place so that you can get to know one another truly, so you can pray for one another. Because again, if we're trying to extend the welcome of Jesus and the way that he's welcomed us, he's, I mean, he's welcomed us in all of our mess. He knows everything about us. And he welcomes us through the gospel by his grace so that we might follow and learn about Jesus changed this area of my life. And so if we're trying to model that to people around the table, often it takes us asking that first question and looking for ways to self-disclose, and to be honest about your need for Jesus. There's a few quotes here. I'll, I'll end here this morning. This is uh, Pastor Dane Ortland in a book called Gentle and Lowly. He says, you know, you don't need to unburden or collect yourself and then come to Jesus. Your very burden or struggle is what qualifies you to come. No payment is needed. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come. Do you hear that? The way that Jesus welcomes us so that we might welcome others. And again, he says that it's the most counterintuitive aspect of Christianity, that we are declared righteous with God, not once we begin to get our act together, but once we collapse into honest acknowledgement that we never will. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that so counterintuitive and difficult to grasp? Declared right with God, not once we begin to get our act together, but once we collapse into honest acknowledgement that we never will. Beautiful. Hospitality of Christ. You see, these lessons around the table with Jesus 
teach us, right, that our ability to love others and therefore show hospitality is directly tied to our need for Jesus. Jesus says, he who is forgiven little loves little. And so if we want to love others well, the gospel invites us to be honest about our need, to confess our dependence, to receive Jesus, and then to walk in him rooted and built up. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, we thank you for the lessons, the instruction, the teaching that, that you give to us around the table. And so, Father, I pray that our tables, our homes, and I mean, the table at Starbucks, Lord, that they would be places that are saturated with the grace of the gospel, that we might be able to sit around the table and to uh, welcome others the way that you've welcomed us, that our our safety, our security, the assurance that we have of being in Christ would free us, Lord, to take that first step to even admit just the messiness of our lives. I pray, Lord, that we would take that first step of being vulnerable, vulnerable with others. And so, Father, would you just place on our hearts just one person that you're calling us to love well this week? And I pray that we would take that step, whether lunch or coffee, I pray that we would also take the step just to share about our need for Jesus and how Jesus is working in our lives and the transformation that's happening or, and that we would just invite you to work. We would invite you to work through these little steps of faith that we take. And so Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that, Lord, you've brought us to yourself. Thank you for the work that we're aware that you're doing in our lives and for the work that we're not, we're not aware, that we can't place our finger on. And so Jesus, teach us how to walk by faith and to love our neighbor as ourself. In your name we pray, amen.